Karma Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the Low in your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you, sweetie? Great. It is our springtime extravaganza. I know. We're going to touch on a bunch of little topics. We're going to bounce all over the place today, as we have been known to do. That's the thing about being opinionated. You yes. always have things to talk about. I look, I'm looking forward to 100 degrees tomorrow. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about the hot weather. Um, uh, um, per, on a personal, professional level, it's kind of been a fun week for me because um, well, let's start off with book talk, which we never do right, on right, this right. podcast. We're going to do book talk. Um, we were approached by the Washington Post to do a review of a book that's coming out next week called Bad Gaze um, by authors Hugh Lemmy and um, Ben Miller. And uh, I just filed the piece today, and it was a lot of fun to do, a really interesting thing to do, because um, I've done film criticism and television right. criticism and fashion criticism and costume design criticism, but I've never done book criticism Right. Before. We actually uh, met and, our friend David. Uh, he was here visiting, and we talked about that. Yeah. You mentioned uh, writing the um, um, review and all that. D- did you feel a lot of pressure? Um, it's the Washington Post, right? So you know that's that's um you want to be up to the level of the of the publication you're writing for. Um, and you the only pressure be... I felt was to do right by the authors, right? To, to I was going to say that. Um, to make sure that I gave it my full attention and that I gave it an honest appraisal. Um, right. Uh, criticism, you know, criticisms aren't actually for the authors; they're for the readers. But, um. So I wasn't writing this. It's not, when I say I, I do write, I want to do right by the authors, but I'm not writing a, a review for the authors. Right. Reviews are for readers, right? Um, but I wanted to do right by the authors in the sense that I wanted to give an accurate assessment and and give the book my full attention. Right. We had uh, um, Legendary Children was reviewed in the Washington Post. It got a rave review, and I just remember that feeling uh, right. of getting that and and wanting to. Um, you know, pay that same level of respect to these authors. Right. You know, whether I, you know, I loved the book or not, it turns out I did love the book. Um, and I, you, you'll be able to read the review this week in the Washington Post. But uh, I really enjoyed it. The name, as I said, the name of the book is Bad Gaze, and it's based on a very popular podcast. These two guys host two ga- bad gays. Two yeah. gays who host a podcast and published a book. Sounds familiar. They're not a couple, however. Um, and it just looks at um bad gays in history and mm-hmm. it tells the story of all these terrible gays <laughs> people that you probably already know are gay but it re- really outlines the parts of their lives that were not um <laughs> you know uplifting or right. or you know or inspirational and there's a reason for it it's not just to be bitchy the authors have a real reason that they argue over and over again as to why they're focusing on mm-hmm. these people because to focus only on the uplifting sorts of people in our history is not giving an accurate view right. of, of what formed us. Right. Um, uh, uh, the forces that formed gay identity and how that didn't always result in these heroic, you know, stonewall figures. It's it often resulted right. in terrible people like Roy Cohn or, or Ronnie Cray. Um, and I love that we were assigned this book because because of the similarities between us and the authors. They're, like I said, they're two gay men who wrote a, uh, an alternative queer history um, 
and they have a podcast. We're two gay men who have a podcast and right. also wrote a queer history, but ours is, was the exact opposite of theirs. Ours was legendary figures. It was about uplifting figures. Right. It was about heroic figures. And the, their book is an actual um, antidote to the kind of book that we wrote. Um, so it was very challenging. Like yeah, I, you felt the immediate challenge um, as, as you started reading it. And um, I don't know. I just want to say it was a wonderful professional experience to engage with another book right. that, this way. I'd love to do more book I reviews. I think it's an interesting and, take. Go ahead. And it's a yeah. And I recommend the book. It was a really great book. Right. What I you- think it's an interesting take because we have a tendency to um, sort of like we always go as you said, especially with the queer community. We are we we always want to celebrate the queer community because it's never celebrated. Right. Um, so it's interesting, you know, and we try to get the best people <laughs> to represent us. Right, right, right. And when you go and, and talk about the bad ones, because we do have a ton of them too, um, you you kind of avoid it or you or you just don't talk about it. So it's, I think right. it's interesting. I think it's interesting. As, as I said um, one time talking to a family member who we were talking about someone who had passed away and um, we just mentioned an aspect of their personality that wasn't the nicest part of right, them. Right, right. And we both kind of stopped and we, and we were just saying, you know, when people pass, you have to remember every part of them. And that includes the bad parts the bad of them, part, the yeah, parts yeah. of them that were, you know, hard to deal with and everything. Otherwise you don't, you're not remembering the full person. Right. And I, I feel like the book, this book, bad gaze and other books like it, um, that's exactly how history should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the history of marginalized people. You can't just tell the stories of angels and heroes Mm -hmm. because that's not telling the full picture of your people, uh, the full story of your people. So um, that has been, I I guess I'm really buzzing because I literally filed this piece this morning, uh, a couple of hours before we flipped on the mics. And I'm just so thrilled to have um, completed this. I've, you know, it's a professional milestone I've never done before. I've never done a, a literary right. review for a major newspaper like this. Uh, so it's a little feather in I my know. cap and right. I will, I can recommend the book to you, to right. you guys listening. It's bad gaze. It comes out, I think in a week. Uh, it was very entertaining, a little dark and maddening, but really well written. Right. I, well, I know I'm biased, but you, I, I really love your writing because I think it, it's not stiff or, or uh, you know, there's some so in whatever you write. I mean, that's how I feel. I feel there's, you. it's not just an opinion, but it's also, it has, a, you know, a heart in it, whatever you do. So I do love when you write something like that because I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and review is something interesting, I think. I find reviews very interesting because in general, I read them, obviously, like everybody else. But I, I wonder, but it's funny because when I have conversations about movies and TV shows, sometimes people say, well, the reviews are bad. I don't know if I'm going to watch it or I'm going to see it. It's, it's, I find that interesting because I, a bad review it, it, it never stops me for, from watching a movie or a TV show or whatever. I'm, it, it's funny. To me, reviews, I, I guess that's how I see them. Um, they inform me, but they don't make me go and not watch something right. or, or watch something because it's a, a good review. So I find them very interesting in general. I think um, you should never treat reviews as a how-to guide of what you're supposed right, to be right. consuming. You take it as, you know, 
uh, I, I tend to read reviews of things I've consumed already. I don't mm-hmm. read reviews before. Right. Like, I want to read Interesting. what critics say after I've seen the movie. I want to read what critics say after I've seen the television show. I don't necessarily need to know ahead of time. Um, That's interesting. I'm going to go watch what I want to watch, regardless right. of what the reviews are. So I'd rather engage with reviews after the fact. I have a more informed opinion when I can read them. Yeah, it's interesting because now that we have a site, we get screeners all the time. So we, we, we have the opportunity of watching things because the, before the reviews come out. So I always find that interesting because sometimes I watch a screener and I'm like, oh my God, I love this. I, I wonder what they're going to think about it. That's always in my mind, like what the critics are going to think about as opposed to all oh, the reviews come out and then you read them and then you decide if you're going to watch something or read something if it's a book or the review of a book or whatever. So I find that that interesting, how some people de- rely 100% on them to, to watch something or read something. And others like me, um, I just find them interesting. And if they agree with me, awesome. Right. <laughs> But if they don't, uh, I don't let that make a decision for me. Yeah. Are you yeah. currently reading anything? Yes, I'm reading a fantastic book. It's called Anna, the Biography, uh, uh, about Anna Wintour. Uh, it was written by Amy O'Dell. She is amazing. She's a great writer. Uh, she's written for a bunch of places, Cosmopolitan, The New York Magazine, etc., etc. She also has written a, a, a book before. This um, is absolutely amazing. Um, uh, her first book, I have it right here, I'm sorry. It's called Tales from the uh, Back Row. Oh, yes, I do remember the book. It's about fashion and everything that goes behind the fashion She's a fashion theme. writer, yeah. Yes. I do remember the book now. Anyway, but this one is fantastic. And listen, I've read a ton of biographies of of uh, Anna Wintour, um, a ton of them. But what I love about this specifically is that she has, it's, it's almost like having a conversation. That's my favorite type of writing. When you engage, like you, you're just sitting down with someone and, and, and chatting about a topic. That's my favorite kind of writing. Mm-hmm. And this is how the book was written. Um, And with a lot of facts, with a lot of information, um, and it's just great. Uh, it talks about her life, um, you know, with her family, her upbringing, um, all her, you know, her career throughout all the years that she worked for magazines and and all that. It's just a fantastic book. We're we're trying to get Amy O'Dell uh, to be, uh, you know, as a guest here on our podcast. We want to interview here. We're trying to. Um, Schedule something. Schedule it, yeah. Yeah, it's just complicated because she was busy doing uh, interviews to promote in the book and we were busy with all the red carpet stuff. But I'm I'm doing my best, trying very hard to get her because she is fantastic. She knows a lot about the subject matter and uh, it would be fun to interview her. Yes. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah. Your ears yeah. peeled, so to speak, yeah. for that. We should be uh, having her on the, on, on the program soon. Yes. Um. As for the rest of this podcast, it's it's very much a podpourri of topics and things that are just past, like we say at the end every week, past our eyes or past our desks. Real quick, um, how about Harry and Meghan's reality TV show? What is going on there? There's some report now that that um, they are they want to do some sort of oh behind God, the scenes yes. Netflix reality TV show, Kim Kardashian style. That is the tackiest fucking thing. <laughs> I have defended those two, not too much, but I've defended them a little bit, uh, you know, against a lot of the charges against them. But if they wind up doing that, I am just sorry. That is the tackiest thing I've ever heard. Of. I guess they change. 
Well, here's I think there's that, all that uh, shuffling that's going around at Netflix. Her her animated series was yes. was shelved, but apparently they they still have a, a deal in place to do some sort of reality series. They also have a podcast they never started, right, or or something like that. They have Lazy all these asses. ideas. No, they have these incredible ideas, but you know, they're too busy being themselves. Anyway, um, yeah, and the thing is that that, that that's interesting because Netflix is falling apart. Uh, they've already allegedly they wrote letters to the employees saying, you know, we're going to change things here. And if you don't like it, you know, you can go. Right. <laughs> because they, they're they losing a lot of subscribers. Right. Uh, and it, that has a lot to do with, you know, a lot of options out there, out there. Yeah. And I always wonder, because Netflix, to me, always felt like, you know, sort of like an independent kind of like, you know, environment, meaning... More interesting movies, international shows, and and I don't feel like it's been that for a long time. But at least started that way, and that's how I was so interested on Netflix. And I think that has changed a lot. They they've had they they have now, and they've had a lot of stuff that is just basic that you can find anywhere else. And I think that's the plan to bring more popular stuff that you know everybody likes to watch. Right? Not um, interesting show. I mean, I hope the days of. Um, you know, in all the great international shows and and great movies are, are aren't gone. The thing is, your uh, Lorenzo's um, version of Netflix does not <laughs> jibe with almost anyone I know who watches Netflix because he's the only person I know who does this. He will go to Netflix on screen and just cycle through to find something. Rather, huh. people don't do that. That's a weird. They don't. No, that's a weird thing. <laughs> and you wind up on like you know a lot of foreign language shows and these really esoteric documentaries, and that's great. But um, I, I don't. When people talk about Netflix, that's not what they talk. They don't talk about. They talk the, about Stranger Things and things and, like that, <laughs> and Bridgerton and stuff yes, like that. Yeah, and the tiger, um, the tiger guy, or whatever. Right. So um, right now, Netflix is for the first time really feeling the squeeze. They're um, they're laying off people. They're canceling a lot of shows, and it does seem to me like we're at a moment where all of these streamers have flooded the market with so much stuff. Right. As people who, um, you know, we would like to think that we are able to review these things on a semi-regular basis. We have been so overwhelmed with because there's so there's many. so much of it now. So many shows. Yeah. And then you have to pick and choose. Well, right. what what's worth reviewing in our right. well our readership? Will we have anything to say about this show? Will our readership be engaged right. with any reviews that we do? Um, and I feel like there's going to be a breaking point soon. I, although. It, yeah, it probably will be something like Netflix because when you see like Apple TV and um, and um, Disney, like the amount of money they have. Well, I was just about to say, how can you compete? I mean, Netflix you, has I mean, a lot Netflix of money. Netflix is not a small company, but if anyone's going to go away in the streaming wars, they are really yeah, vulnerable. Mean, when you put them, when you put Netflix together with Apple and and right. Disney, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but right now, it's just there's such an overwhelming amount of uh, television and content, content yeah. out there that uh, we cannot keep up with it at all. Um, having said that, we are going to talk a little bit about the Essex Serpent. But before we do, 
Let's talk about our Bombas socks. Yeah, it's my favorite sock. Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas designed their sock shirts and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxuriously cozy feel. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy layers. There's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options like comfy performance styles for every sport and activity that keeps you moving. Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right. And Bombas underwear has a barely there feel with second skin support that might make you forget they're even there in a good way. Did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. So... Go to bombas.com slash TLO and get 20% off 20% off your first part. Let's start again. Go to bombas.com slash TLO and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash TLO for 20% off. Bombas.com slash TLO. Thank you, Bombas. Um All right, Lorenzo, the Essex Servant, which yes. is airing on Apple TV, starring um what's her name claire danes and yeah. uh tom hiddleston uh the first three episodes have dropped i've only seen the first two mm-hmm. have you seen the third yes oh you watched it mm-hmm. last night yeah. oh you did oh yeah. so you are caught up um uh, I'm, I, I'm not gonna do a deep dive i'll let, right. i'll leave that up to you i was very very turned off by it almost immediately mm. it's a very um moody it looks beautiful it's evocative it made me go look up the essex marshes to see you know what they were like and everything and it's great on that level i don't find the story all that interesting i don't find it interesting at all in fact right. and i feel like she is just terribly terribly miscast but i agree with all the above you, you go ahead talk I'm, about the essex service well i love period pieces so i'll watch anything i especially victorian times you know in england my favorite um, because of the costumes and everything, the sets and all that. So that all is great. And it's very moody in terms of cinematography. And I love that. Very dark colors. Uh, foggy. And foggy. I love all that. Yeah. Because make the costume Lots of sweaters. Incredible. Yes. <laughs> so I do love all that. Um, and the story is actually okay. I, I didn't know much about it. And that's my favorite thing to watch something that I don't know anything about. I didn't read the book. It's based on a novel, uh, as you said. Um, um, and I, I don't know, my feeling uh, is that it works better as a novel. That's what I'm getting so far. I don't think transition that story to a TV series working so far. Um, first episode was very boring. I was like, are we going somewhere with this? You know, it's just taking forever. Second episode is still slow, but like the last five minutes of the second episode, something happens. I'm not going to give anything away. And I'm like, all right. There's yeah, a story you said there. that. So I was like, all right, I'll go watch it for the last five minutes. And I was like, that's the last five minutes? What? That's the part that made you sit up and take notice? Did you skip the entire episode and just watch the last five minutes? No, I watched the whole thing. Oh, okay. And I was just like, all right, I guess so. No, because I don't think it's interesting. It explains a lot. I, I think uh, it explains a lot. And it, at least we're going somewhere now. Mm. Uh, we'll see. Um, her performance is very Claire Danes. Um, and I don't think it works for the for the character for the part. Um, no, she's very 
she's she's too modern. She's, she's too, too modern. American. Yeah, she's too American, too modern. I don't know. They should have made that character an American, to be honest. She's, I guess. She's an yeah. outsider anyway, so why not just make her an American? Because it's not even... It's not so much the accent, although I do think her accent comes and goes. It's not particularly great. Mm-hmm. It's just her whole affect. It does not read, right? You I know, nineteenth century English it's woman at all. Down, is the way everything, she talks, the way she cries. About, yeah. <laughs> oh, is there a Victorian way of crying? <laughs> There's not <laughs> that big ugly cry that she does. I'm like, yeah, a woman of her station would not have acted like that in public. That's just the truth uh it's funny because someone replied to my tweet and i left on on twitter because someone said i'm gonna watch it but if claire Danes does that teenager thing that she does (laughs) yeah it's i think claire danes is a great actress but she is badly miscast in this and i think uh as we said when the trailer dropped that we thought oh you know she and tom hiddleston are going to have an interesting sort of chemistry but they i don't think the chemistry works I don't know. I didn't see the third it, episode. I probably right. will not. But and well, it was supposed to be Kira uh, Knightley, right? Yeah. And then she couldn't because of the pandemic, and she has kids, right? What's the story you told me? Uh, and then she um, couldn't accommodate her kids to to shoot the the series, something like that. Anyway, so it's not her. It's Claire Danes. Uh, I'll keep watching a little more and see where it goes. I also think the costumes for her are a little off. They're doing these very sort of fanciful takes on Victorian wear. I I mean, at one point, she's wearing a pullover sweater, and I'm like, there's no way. No way. They weren't wearing pullover sweaters back then. She's also wearing a hoodie, basically a Victorian hoodie. (laughs) It's very interesting, but um, sometimes it goes too far away from... And I'm not a huge stickler about, uh, about costumes being, you know, absolutely accurate in period wear, but um, it was a little goofy the way some of the characters have yeah. been dressed the way tom hiddleston's wife is dressed right in that very bohemian style i'm like yeah i don't know the, how in, much i buy this right in terms of claire danes the only explanation i find is that again without giving anything away she has a very strict life when in the beginning of the show beginning of the series so her clothes are very conservative very victorian and then something happens that she has the freedom to wear whatever she wants. And I guess they went a little crazy with that. Yeah. It's just, it's a completely different direction that I don't think it works for the time. Uh, we'll see. Do you have anything else to say about that? No, it's beautiful. I yeah. have to say it's absolutely beautiful. Like it, it feels like you, you're looking at a painting. I, I do like and sometimes I watch something just because of one thing. That's why you're, when you talk about Netflix, it's some weird version of the Netflix. It has nothing to do with the rest of us. <laughs> oh um, my God. People do watch international movies, okay? They do. I'm not saying they don't, but they don't like scroll through Netflix for hours looking for something to find, you know, to watch the way right, you come do. Come on, someone out there, <laughs> back um, me up here. But part of the reason uh, there's been so much television uh, of late and, and even, you know, in the far, you know, foreseeable future, there's going to be this surplus of, of shows on TV. Um, and part of the reason we have not been able to cover them isn't just because we can't choose which ones. It's because right now there has been an explosion. It's too many. Well, no, an explosion of red carpets. Oh, you're talking about we're red shifting. Carpet. Oh, we're I'm shifting sorry. to the we next still topic. Talking about movies. This is what's known as a segue. Oh, I see. In the podcast. Well, business. there's still too many red carpets out there. There you go. Um, and that was the topic, the final, basically the final topic of this week's spring extravaganza, podpourri of topics, which is 
There's so damn much red carpet. As people who have been doing this for well over a decade now, right. um, we both kind of looked at each other in the last week or two and we're like, huh, this is kind of weird, right? Right. Um, they're ju- it's very hard to quantify this or explain you know, why we feel this way, but there's just been this feeling between the two of us that there is a much a feverishly increased interest in the red carpet in the past month or two. And part of that is we had the Oscars, then we had the Met Gala, and now we're slammed with the Cannes Film Film Festival, uh, all one right after another, one month after another. And they're usually not that packed together that tightly. Um, And specifically this week, it's the uh, Top Gun promotional tour that has really sort of opened my eyes Insane. where I'm like, I would not have predicted that this total sausage fest of a promotional <laughs> tour would be this extravaganza yeah. of red carpets, high fashion, red, the whole cast coming out in high fashion. Uh, I really thought Jennifer uh, Connelly was going to be doing all the heavy lifting on this tour, but, but she's getting guys. overshadowed yeah. by the men. Now, um, Part of that comes down to this sort of trend over the past several years of men, male stars, understanding the red carpet a little bit more and indulging in these. I mean, five, six years ago, if there was a Top Gun sequel that came out in like 2016 or whatever, um, it would have been dudes in work boots and and leather jackets. And short sleeve shirts. (laughs) Um, And they would have put no... no, um, Effort. Yeah, no effort into it. But so part of this, this... this tour, this sort of jaw-dropping uh, promotional tour comes down to the fact that men are more actively involved in the red carpet, including Tom Cruise, who right. was putting more effort into his fashion right. on this tour than I think we've ever seen. But it also feels like it's not just that they're all getting dressed up. It's the level of these red carpets, right. these massive extravaganzas. The UK premiere last oh night was God. jaw-dropping. <laughs> yes. um, and the Cannes Film Festival also, they had everything right. um, going on. So it's just kind of interesting for us. And it just feels, we can tell by the hits on our on our, our pages about what's what people are looking at. Um, and it's... It's usually around this time of year where we have to sort of scramble to find red carpet right. and material. And it's actually been the exact opposite where there's been so much of it that we haven't been able to do anything but red carpet day in and day out. This is not a complaint, but it is a total reversal right, right. of where we were during lockdown. Um, I've been because I have to pick the, the articles for the lounge. I and magazines are doing this a lot more now. They interview interviewing uh, actors about shows and it's just a way to promote the show and they, they talk about something else and i've seen that a lot happening now and they all say the same thing they couldn't wait to get out and get dressed up and then just see their 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 yeah their friends and you know their co-workers or whatever and just look pretty on the red carpet they all say the exact there's same such thing. an energy to yeah. it that was not there prior to lockdown not on this level uh, so it's actually kind of interesting and exciting for us because this is what we do for a living. And it also goes back to, not to pat ourselves on the back, but back during lockdown when everything shut down and there was no red carpet or anything like that, there was think piece after think piece from right. people who said that the red carpet is dead, it'll never come right. back. Right. Um, yes, we went from everything is over 
to, to like, there's so many of them that so we can't now, even keep yeah. up with them. I mean, we're talking Overload. to you right now, and there's pictures of Tilda Swinton that can oh popping God, up right now serious? on my yeah. la- And I'm like, I don't even know when we're getting to so that. So we're going to have to work tomorrow on a Saturday. That's the other thing. We work yeah. through the weekends uh-huh. now. It's almost, yes. it's yeah. relatively, co- and this is not a complaint. No, it's not a complaint. But at all, this but. is what I mean. Like, there's so much of this stuff that it is routine for us to say, all right, we should probably put some posts together on the weekend just to stay on top of things. Um, this is just our observation. No, I, I, I think, think it's interesting. I think we, like I said, we did sort of predict this back when everyone was claiming it was all over. And we, we both said this will never be over because as we've explained many times on this podcast, the red carpet is an entire industry. There's an entire economy surrounding exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. When you see a celebrity on the red carpet, there's at least... 150 people behind that person. Well, maybe that's an exaggeration. No, it's not. If you combine makeup people, hair people, their their own people, publicists, stylists, you know, agents, whatever, uh, and the fashion houses, everyone in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, it's it's more than 100 people together to get that look um, together. People working on the garments, you know, now every now and then you see a piece out there and sometimes we try to include as much as information as we can about the look and you know they had now you hear like oh you know this garment you know 20 people work for like god knows how many hours you know there's a lot of work there's a lot of people employed right um to put those looks together and you know these people need their jobs not only that but also the the fashion houses the, uh, the you know they also need the help of the celebrities to promote their brands. I mean, without red carpets, without celebrities wearing their clothes, it's not the same. Right. It's just not the same. Um, that's how they showcase their pieces, their new collections, and everything else. So there is a pressure. Yeah, there was always. I mean, when we they were talking about oh, this is all going to go, it's a new life, it's a new approach, blah, blah, blah. No. Um, it's gotten uh, more uh, insane and over the top, much in the same way. And again, we sort of predicted this. Um, it's sort of in the same way that Hollywood reacted during the Depression and the and the and World War II, where they just ramped up the glamour as much as possible right, because exactly. they thought that's what the public wanted to see from them. And let's face it, do rem- you remember the Imagine video when they were all singing into their phone? <laughs> like, I want to see well, that's them the other thing. in yeah. sparkles and couture and diamonds. That's what I want from my celebrities. I don't want them singing into their phones. Right, yeah. Uh, so this feels very much right. like a reaction to that. Like it's snapping back from that moment of um, earnestness and preachiness, going back to something that's actually really shallow and glamorous, but I love it. I'm living for it. This is part of what my job is, so I'm happy it's I there. Agree. I mean, it was two years of Zoom shit. <laughs> You right. know, for everybody, includes including celebrities. People standing on balconies or by the pool. And it's so funny because I look at all these pictures, the red carpet pictures, and they're all close together. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're all they're all touching each other. You know, you, you just go through that period where you look at those pictures like, oh, my God, people together talking without a mask on. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's happening. And, of course... I don't think it's going away. Let me put it to you that way. No, it's not going to go away. If anything, it feels to us, as people who are paid to watch this sort of thing, that it's ramping up even further. The the sort of hysteria surrounding the red carpet is not quite like anything I've seen in our in our ten plus years of commenting on it. It's it's pervasive, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's 
you know, it's strong in a way that it just, I don't I can't explain it. It just feels like people are dying for this sort of thing more right. than ever. Everybody involved. I mean, it's been two years of not doing it. Yeah. Uh, the way they used to do it. Right. Uh, they had to come up with ideas and usually it was a Zoom thing or, or the stylist would post a picture of them in their, you know, living room. Right. I mean, we, we did a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, and thank God for that. We had content. But those days are kind of over unless, you know, be, it'll be really again. interesting to see what this summer is going to be like. I mean, there's uh, several Marvel movies coming out. Uh, there's a lot, you know, it's all about blockbusters now. Those are the the events that right. get the most attention. But um, I predict we're going to have a very heavy red carpet summer for the first time in like three years. Uh, and that should be fun for us. I, I always think it's fun. And as I said, because we're always you know, involved with these stylists and hair people, makeup people, everybody. I, I'm happy for them because these people need their jobs back. True. So, yeah, True. That's how I feel about Happiness it. Happiness all around. Anyway, I yes. believe that's it. This is a short one this week. Yes, it is a short one. And um, uh, Drag Race, again, tonight, right? Starts tonight. So we have another TV show to watch. Yes. <laughs> it's and all drag and red carpet on our site, but no complaints here. Um, yes, we'll have more and we'll probably have more Cannes material over the weekend, yes. Cannes Film Festival material, because we cannot get away from it. And that's fine, too. So we're going to get back to work and uh, we'll be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desk. Until then, take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye.